Luke 17 this morning, if you've got your Bibles. Luke 17, last Sunday would probably have been the Sunday we would have normally talked about Thanksgiving and that topic, but we had our missionary emphasis Sunday last week and enjoyed a wonderful time there. So today I'm going to, we're not too far removed from Thanksgiving, I want to talk just a little bit about that this morning. Luke chapter 17, verse number 11, as always, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there should be one in front of you there in the seat, I encourage you to follow along. Verse 11, Luke 17, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your, fa- go your way, your faith has made you well. I want us to think specifically about verse 17 this morning. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Father God, thank you so much for your word. Speak to our hearts from it. Convict us, reprove us, rebuke us as needed. Teach us, encourage us. Help us, Father, today to just be changed by your word. Fill me with your spirit. Help me today, Lord, to be able to concentrate and think about what you've laid on my heart. I pray, Father, that I'd say what I should, nothing more. And uh, just uh, just use this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this past Thursday, people all across America did what people always do this time of year. and At least they've always done it since October 3rd, 1789, when George Washington issued the first Thanksgiving proclamation. He said, Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. Been 200-plus years since Washington first made that pronouncement, and yet here we were again just a few days ago. As a nation, at least most people, I think, united in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks. Some of you, I'm sure, uh, hosted a Thanksgiving feast in your homes. I'm sure that there was hours of preparation, and I'm sure there was cooking and dusting and cleaning and all those sorts of things, inviting a family of friends and then culminating in copious quantities of, you know, the stuff we do, the stuff we eat on Thanksgiving. Some of you might have traveled to another's home to participate in that, so you didn't have to clean your house, and therefore you had something else to be thankful for. You could be thankful for the fact that someone else was hosting the wonderful day. That was our case this year. We got to enjoy Thanksgiving with Josh and Allie uh, in their home this year. Some of you might have even celebrated at a restaurant. More and more people seem to be doing that these days as people have less and less time, and so you avoid the labor that goes into the preparation, but you still are gathered with family and friends, and the whole idea is that you're enjoying the fellowship and 
giving thanks for God's blessings. Yes, this Thursday past, some in America, and hopefully mostly those of us who are believers, no doubt remembered from whence our blessings come and genuinely reflected and gave thanks on that day. Others, though, I think, maybe for a variety of reasons, might have been a little bit less grateful, perhaps even struggling to be grateful at all. Perhaps feeling a rising level of ingratitude as you see the smiles and the thankfulness on other people's face that you don't feel. And I think as we consider this passage that we've read here this morning, we see kind of both sides of that, don't we? We certainly see one who was grateful for God's blessings. And then we see the other nine who showed no gratitude whatsoever. And so even though Thanksgiving Day has passed, I I want us to consider a few thoughts about these two groups. It's still fresh in our minds. We're still thinking about it. You've probably still got leftover turkey in your house. You might even be going home and having turkey sandwiches this afternoon. And so it's fresh in our minds. Let's share a couple of thoughts about this. And here's the first thought. Ingratitude is a great sin. And the second thought, we have very, very, very much to be grateful for. Just simple thoughts, but let's look at it from that perspective this morning. Ingratitude is a great Sin. Our text this morning is probably the classic reminder of the sin of ingratitude. Jesus marvelously healed ten lepers. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. How commendable that one was and how worth emulating in our lives. Uh, those of us who have received like blessings from our wonderful God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Uh, he gives us the wonderful example of falling down. In giving thanks. But I'm always amazed at the fact Jesus noticed the missing nine. I'm not going to dwell on that particular fact, but think about that for a moment. Jesus noticed the missing nine. Where were they? Why did they not come to give thanks? How could they have received such a blessing at the hand of God and not have given thanks as well. I don't know about you, but when I read this particular passage of Scripture, the thought always comes to my mind, what a, a bunch of ingrates these guys were to have received so much. And yet I, I submit that there is a similar sense of ingratitude that sometimes pervades our land in this 21st century. So many have received so much and have forgotten that everything we have, everything we are, everything uh, that we'll ever be is from God, there's a verse we ought to underline in our Bibles. We ought to, we ought to memorize it. It's James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every, everything that you have is from God. I know I've told this before, but I'll tell it again. When my kids were little, They were not allowed to watch The Simpsons in my house. The Simpsons were persona non grata in my house. And that decree caused a certain level of angst, I confess, because all of their friends got to watch The Simpsons. And they'd go to school and everybody was talking about The Simpsons. And their old fuddy-duddy dad would not let them watch The Simpsons. But I can tell you this, if my kids were little in my home today, the same decree would still be in effect. Because I did not think that The Simpsons was something that I wanted them to learn from. And the, the, the star character of that show, that cartoon, Bart Simpson, his, his uh, example was terrible. 
I just did not want them emulating that. And there was an example. Now, I didn't watch The Simpsons, but back in the day, at least, I don't even have cable anymore, so I don't even know if they're still on. But back in the day, they would have promos for them, and I would see that. That was enough for me. And I recall one particular Thanksgiving episode where they continuously showed the ad for the upcoming episode of The Simpsons, and they showed Bart Simpson being asked at Thanksgiving dinner to pray and give thanks. And Bart Simpson's prayer was, and I quote, Dear God, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. And, and we cannot help sometimes but giggle. But at the same time, that is the attitude that an awful lot of people have. We don't, we, don't, we don't recognize that it all comes from God. We think we're self-made. We think that somehow we have gotten all this ourselves. That was not the attitude I wanted my kids to have. I don't want my grandkids to have it now. I want them to know better. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turn. Interestingly, some years ago, it's, 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 it's been in between when I first saw Bart Simpson's thing there and and today, but I don't remember when it was. But I saw an interview with the guy who was the author, the creator of The Simpsons. And he was being interviewed. And uh, he mentioned that he doesn't let his own kids watch that cartoon. And he said that he had never really understood why it was that people had such animosity toward these characters and didn't want their kids to watch them. And he said until he had his own kid. And he started seeing how it was influencing his own child. And he said, I won't let my own kid watch this show. Astonishing. Well, the fact is, ingratitude is not new. We only need to consider Jesus' words in our text. Were there not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Ingratitude is a great sin. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 32, we read of the great progression of sin, culminating in the complete apostasy of and judgment of people. You can go and read that on your own, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. But here's what we can't help but notice. It started with ingratitude. Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Verse number 21 of Romans chapter 1. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, we read of the terrible apostasy that's going to take place and the, the progression of apostasy that's going to take place that's prophesied for the end times. And it starts with ingratitude. Men will be unthankful. Verse number 2. And you can't help but notice if you read that passage, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, you'll see that ingratitude is lumped together there with blasphemy and in holiness, unholiness. Ingratitude is a great sin. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. I find it fascinating that he lumped together there unthankfulness and evil. Ingratitude, no matter where you look in Scripture, is a great sin. And if we consider these teachings from Scripture, we see it's the beginning of a progression that leads to an even greater areas of sin, leads us away from God. Shakespeare wrote, he said, I hate ingratitude more in man than lying, vainness, babbling, drunkenness, or any taint of vice whose strong corruption inhabits our frail blood. Blow, blow thou winter wind, thou art not so unkind as man's ingratitude. It's a great sin. That great preacher R.G. Lee said, We condemn the nine lepers who came not back to thank Jesus for their healing, and yet put ourselves in their company of cold and unfeeling gratitude. Ingratitude is an evil, a most common disease of humanity. Many fail more often in gratitude than in any other Christian grace. So can we not hear the words of Jesus this morning? Were there not? 
Ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Brothers and sisters, let's not allow Thanksgiving to be a one-day event. Let's not put away the, uh, the attitude of gratitude just like we put away our fine china on the shelf until next Thanksgiving. This is something that ought to be part of all of our lives every day. We need to hear his words. We need to learn from them. We need to not be the ingrates, not the nine. Let us be the one who fall, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. Ingratitude is a great sin. But there's the other side of the coin, and that is that we do have so very, very, very much to be thankful for. And let me just, let me, let me suggest that it's not just on Thanksgiving Day, but it's every day. We have so much to be thankful for. I used to hate that little exercise, Thanksgiving. You've probably all experienced it. We have to go around the table and share something that you're thankful for. Anybody ever have to do that in your homes? Really? My mother always made us do that. We'd be sitting there all day waiting for the meal. The smell of turkey wafting through the room. By the time we finally sit down at the table with these mountains of food in front of us, salivating like Pavlov's dogs, and she, she would look at us and say, now before we eat, let's all go around the table and share something. There's 20 people around the table. And I, I never really much cared for that. But it is a good exercise to pause and consider, isn't it? Maybe not right before you eat, but it's a good exercise to pause and remember all the things that we have to be grateful for. Now, let me just share a few of mine. And this is a very personal list. You may, you may think some of this applies to you too. I hope some of it does. But uh, just my list. I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful for the ultimate victory. The eternal life that is mine. I think, I think Don read this verse this morning, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Didn't you read this? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The gift of Jesus Christ. The gift of salvation. So many of the problems of this life, whatever we might be going through, pale when we put them in the perspective of that. I have been born again. I will never face judgment for my sin. Ever. Oh, I'll face the judgment seat of Christ well, I'll, where I'll answer for how I've served the Lord in this life. We're all who are believers going to face that. But we'll never face judgment for our sin. He has put it behind him. He will remember it no more. It's nailed to the cross. I'm a child of the King. I look forward to eternity of health and happiness forever with him in glory. I have a present and an unlosable possession of eternal life. How do we not say thanks? The leper returned and fell down at Jesus' feet, giving thanks for the healing of his body. How do we not say thanks and fall down at his feet for the healing of our soul? I'm thankful for my salvation. Spend some time remembering that thought. It'll help you with the other issues. It really will. It'll put things in perspective. I read where John Quincy Adams, uh, in his extreme old age, was one day walking down a street in Boston, and an old friend came up to him and accosted him, shook his hand. And he said, this old friend said to him, how is John Quincy Adams today? And the ex-president said, thank you, the John Quincy Adams is actually quite well, I thank you. But the house in which he lives at present is becoming quite dilapidated. 
It is tottering upon its foundations. Time and the seasons have nearly destroyed it. Its roof is pretty well worn out. Its walls are much shattered, and it trembles with every wind. The old tenement is becoming almost uninhabitable. And I think John Quincy Adams will have to move out of it soon. But he himself is quite well. Quite well. Thank you. What an attitude. And there's only one way to have that attitude. And that's to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's the perspective that only a saved person can have. When we know that all the troubles we go through here and now are temporary. And one day soon, they're going to be gone forever. I thank the Lord for my salvation. Second thing I have on my list that I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for God's revealed truth. God's revealed truth. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Is it not amazing that God reveals himself? That God reveals his truth to us. And since he does so today, primarily through the, the word of God, the Bible, is it not amazing that God has given us the Bible? The older I get, the more I thank the Lord and cherish the Bible. In our midweek prayer meetings, we often pray for the persecuted church. And there is definitely a persecuted church around the world. We support a ministry called the Voice of the Martyrs. The Voice of the Martyrs was founded by a guy named Richard Wormbrand, who was himself a persecuted individual. He lived in a socialist, communist regime and was thrown into prison a tremendous number of years of his life. He wrote a book about that time called Tortured for Christ, which might be a good one for the book club, by the way. Tortured for Christ. Let me just read an excerpt from this, because when I read this, it makes me grateful for my Bible. Here's what he says. He says, they, the communists, published books called The Comical Bible and The Bible for Believers and Unbelievers. They tried to show how stupid Scripture is, and to do so, quoted many Bible verses. How we rejoiced over it. The book was printed in millions of copies. It was full of Bible verses, which were unspeakably beautiful, even when the communists ridiculed them. The criticism itself was so stupid that no one took it seriously. In the past, heretics burned by the Inquisition were taken to the stake in a procession, dressed in all kinds of ridiculous clothes with hell flames and devils painted on them. And what saints were those heretics? And in a similar way, Bible verses remain true, even if the devil quotes them. The communist publishing house was very glad to receive thousands of letters asking for reprints of atheist books that quoted Bible verses to mock them. They did not know that these letters came from the underground church, which had no other opportunity of receiving the scriptures. He tells of another incident. He tells of an incident where one particular person in the underground church somehow came across a Bible, one Bible, a brand new Bible, and rather than hoard that to himself, They cut out very painstakingly every page of that Bible, and they spread it out amongst everybody, and then they would just share, because they only had one Bible, and they could only share the copies of it and all could read. And here in America, in our homes, in my home, we have so many copies of the Bible that we use them to prop up table legs and things like that. We have so many copies of the Bible, multiple copies, so often unread, so often take it for granted. How I thank God for the Bible. His revealed truth. I'm thankful for something else. I'm thankful for answered prayer. Jesus, when preparing to raise Lazarus from the dead, prayed this. 
they, it, says, it says in John chapter 11, they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You ever pray that? Lord, I'm just thankful that you hear me when I pray. I'm just thankful for answered prayer. I know some people probably get tired of me constantly beating the drum for prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. I've noticed something, by the way. I've noticed that if I announce it, if I mention, we've had prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, every Wednesday night for 12 years. But if I announce it, we have pretty good attendance on Wednesday night. If I don't, we don't. I don't quite understand that because it's always there. But for some reason, I have to keep announcing it. But here's the deal. I'm going to keep on beating the drum for that because prayer is so important. And how we thank God for the number of times that we have seen him answer prayer in there. I'm thankful for answered prayer. I'm thankful for something else. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for my brothers and my sisters in Christ. Paul was like that. Acts chapter 28, it says from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us, and when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When Paul saw them, he thanked God. I've learned to love this church. I've learned to love you guys, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I think I told you some time ago that my first pastorate in southern Ohio was not the most pleasant experience that I've ever had. And I left there pretty much disgusted with ministry and not wanting to be involved. And, and honestly, years later, when I was asked to pastor this church, one of the thoughts that came through my mind is, Lord, one of the things I prayed about is, Lord, I don't think I like people anymore. I don't want to be a pastor anymore. I don't have a pastor's heart anymore. But you know what? The Lord took care of that. And I actually kind of like you guys. I, I No, I actually do love you guys. Every year at October, we have Pastors Appreciation Month and and I'm always thrilled and, 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 and appreciative for all that you guys do. I, I think that's just a hallmark holiday, frankly. I think somebody just made that up, but I'm always appreciative. But always throughout that month, my mind goes to how much I appreciate you, not so much how you appreciate me. And so I'm, I'm thankful for you. And one last thing I'll mention, kind of the over umbrella over everything. I'm just thankful for God's daily benefits. The psalmist said in Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation. Selah. That little word Selah there means pause and meditate. Think about that for a minute. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. There's no end to the blessings of God. And so we can just sum up the list. This is the catch-all. This is everything. God's daily benefits are unending. He daily loads us with benefits. I mean, look at that picture. Think about that picture. He daily loads us with benefits, more than we can even possibly carry. Quincy Adams, again, I don't know where I'm getting all these quotes from John Quincy Adams today, but uh, here's another one. He said, may I never cease to be grateful for thy numberless blessings. Numberless. We can't begin to count the blessings of God in our life. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm just thankful for God's daily benefits. I'm thankful for the fact that he daily loads us with benefits. So I wonder this morning, Christian, do you have a similar list? Do you have a list that that you're grateful for, not just on Thanksgiving Day, but one that you'll carry with you throughout the year that you can remember over and over and over again? If you find yourself struggling with ingratitude, because ingratitude is a great sin, if you find yourself struggling with that, can you go to that list and say, Lord, I have so much. 
to be thankful for. Well, let me close with just a thought. One last thought. To those who maybe have had a hard year and just don't feel very grateful. I can sit here and say this all day long, that you ought to be grateful for things. But there are times, we've all been there, where we're going through something that we just really struggle with this thing. Maybe Thanksgiving this year was a hard day for you. Maybe it was a day you preferred not to celebrate. Maybe it was a day that brought up all the unpleasantness of the past. Maybe it's a day you'd rather ignore than celebrate. I would suggest, if that is the case for you, we we, we need to just recognize, regardless of where we are in our lives, regardless of what God has brought into our life, regardless of whether it's pleasure or pain that he allows or brings, we still have every reason to be thankful. And we will benefit greatly from cultivating a thankful heart. Jesus is our greatest example, as always. He was thankful in the midst of what I think may have been one of the worst nights the world has ever known. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, we oftentimes read this passage before the Lord's table. Uh, It says that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. That always tears me up when I think about that scene. Commenting on that verse, R.G. Lee said, That night with the shadow of the cross looming darkly and immediately ahead, he gave thanks. With a song on his lips, he went to his agony in Gethsemane and to the cross. Jesus taught us there, not, not only by his words, but by his example, that we can give thanks when we're in trouble, when we're in pain, when we're facing uncertainty and fear. We're not only supposed to give thanks during the good times. Thanksgiving is a Christian duty for every day and in every circumstance, whether good days or bad. First Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's the will of God that we give thanks. Not just when things are going well. Not just for the mountaintop experiences. In everything, give thanks. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've quoted R.G. Lee a few times this morning because I read a a, a wonderful sermon by him about this very thing. R.G. Lee was a Southern Baptist preacher, greatly used by God. He was most famous for a sermon called Payday Sunday, which he preached here two years ago on Old Fashioned Sunday. But listen to what he had to say about giving thanks always for all things. He said, you are to give thanks even though a panic of emotions has seized the world and malice torments mankind. Give thanks, though the pestilence of hate walketh at noonday, and dreadful uncertainties and crises keep life turbulent and hectic. Be ye thankful, even though you are fed daily on the aggravating news of horrors. Be ye thankful when barns are filled with plenty, and when fields are barren, when the cup of woe is bitter. When money is sufficient, and when riches take to themselves wings in the world of what howls at the door. Be thankful when for the affairs of life, brain and brawn are at the full, And when you prostrate on the earth cannot rise and toil, when tides of health are their full, and also when all muscles are highways for the running to and fro of pain, give thanks in health and in sickness, when friends despise and forsake you, when the crepe is on the front door and the coffin in the house, give thanks for the gall with the honey, the martyr's fire with its sufferings as well as the hearthstone fire with its comfort, for hailstones that ruin fruitful fields as well as for rains that quench drought. For tribulations severe as well as for triumphs sweet. 
for goodbyes that break hearts, as well as for greetings that cheer hearts, for desert places, as well as for gardens. You are to give thanks when bereaved of loved ones, when you find traitors among friends, when sickness brings you prostration, when hopes wither, when you have only summer clothes for wintertime, when only scraps are on your plate. Yea, in everything, you are to give thanks. Man, that's hard. Can you do that? Is that you? Are you thankful to God for anything that he brings your way? Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Dwight L. Moody about that last verse said, it could be stated careful for nothing, prayerful for everything, and thankful for anything. Another person commenting on that same verse pointed out the very reason we can be anxious for nothing is because we are thankful for everything. Thanksgiving is the antidote to worry. Thanksgiving is the antidote to concern, to pain, to, to trials. So yes, or ingratitude is a great sin because we do have so much to be grateful for. And God does will that we give thanks no matter our circumstances, that we give thanks in everything, that we be as the one leper who, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Could we have everybody stand, heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment this morning? Everybody standing, heads bowed, eyes closed. We're going to sing in just a moment. Andre Crouch wrote the great Christian song, My Tribute. That song starts with the words, how can I say thanks for the things he has done for me? Things so undeserved, yet he gave to prove his love for me. The psalmist said it in another way. He said, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. If you are a believer here this morning, if you have been born again, if you are a child of the King, then May I encourage you, just praise him. Just be thankful to him today. With a loud voice, give him thanks this morning. Even if you don't feel like it, give thanks anyway. Because here's the deal. Feelings follow faith, not the other way around. Be thankful. Give thanks. The more you do, the more thankful you will feel. If you're here this morning as a believer and you need to maybe come as we sing and Maybe just kneel here and say, thank you, Lord. I haven't felt like saying thank you, Lord, for a long time, but thank you, Lord. Maybe you need to do that today. And if you're here today and you're not a believer, if you're not certain of heaven, you don't know if you were to die today whether you go to heaven or hell, if you've never been saved, if you don't know what it means when I say that I've been born again and how thankful I am for that, if that is meaningless to you, then notice what that verse said. It said, take the cup of salvation that he offers. That's what he wants you to do. That's how you say thanks to him. As an unbeliever, say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Cry out to him and ask for the salvation that he offers to you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. If you have questions about that, if you want to know more about that, if you want to do that this day as we sing in just a moment, you can step out and come, and we'll pray with you and help you with that. And then you, like the leper in the story, can also fall down and with a loud voice give thanks.